It's time for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group with financial advisors Kevin Corhorn, Mike Bernard, and Josh Gregory. Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett, and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thank you so much for joining us today. We're so glad to have you with us. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group, where every week we're helping you take your next wise step in your financial life. My name's Mike Bernard. I'm your host, and I'm also one of the certified financial planners on the show, alongside my business partner and fellow financial advisor, Josh Gregory. That's right. Glad to be with you and glad you're with us today, especially if your family or someone close to you is touched by long-term health concerns that could cause the words nursing home or assisted living or professional health care in your home all to be a part of your future. If you have that expense threatening your family finances, then today's episode is for you. Mike and I are joined by a special guest, Michael Murphy, who's an elder law attorney, and he's here to help us start learning about Medicaid planning. One of the biggest financial concerns. We are addressing it today. Big topic with this We've had this show in our mind for a long time, so Michael, we're glad to have you here. Folks, this is your show. Like every week, if you have questions or comments, issues, whatever, reach out to us, 574-222-2000, or visit us on the web, wisemoneyradio.com. Lastly, Facebook and Twitter, at Wise Money Radio. All right, Michael, thanks for being on the show. We're, ex- we're excited to have you here. So, Mike, Thank you for having me. Mike Murphy, I usually call you Michael, I don't know why, but... Mike, Mike Murphy, that's Mike okay. is fine. All right. Yeah. So Mike, Mike Murphy is an elder law attorney with an office in South Bend. He's been practicing law in the Michiana community for many years. He's well known as the go-to source for Medicaid planning. You've earned that, uh, that recognition. Well, thank you. So uh, how about a, for, uh, a quick introduction? Sure. Um, uh, as Mike said, I'm uh, an elder law attorney. Um, I focus primarily on families that are faced with some of the most heart-wrenching and difficult decisions in their lives, that being having to put a loved one, a husband, a wife, a parent, sometimes a child, um, into a nursing home. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a horrible situation because of the cost involved. Uh, If you're talking about nursing home, you're probably talking about eight to ten thousand dollars a month. If you're talking about 24-7 home care, you're probably talking fifteen thousand dollars a month. Those numbers are just scary as all get out, and then you add that to the emotional issues that folks have, having to place somebody in a nursing home, having to realize that they can't provide the care at home, it just becomes one of the worst types of decisions they ever have to make. We try to help people through that and to show them what's available uh, to them from a planning standpoint. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I love about Michael is that He's almost like the the doctor or the surgeon who's not only an expert in their field, but also has a good bedside manner, right? (laughs) I've been in lots of meetings with you, Michael, where I I know I'm kind of bringing in a client who is stressed out, they're worried, they're overwhelmed with all the issues that you just brought up. And uh, the, the fact that you can bring instant calm to the situation and then bring answers. Uh, it is awesome. So we're blessed to have you as a resource for our clients and, yeah. and, and in this community as well. And so I'm glad that uh, people will get to hear a little bit about what Medicaid planning is all about today on the show. Well, that's, that, that's good because one of the things that you know, I deal with with clients is many of my clients do not have financial advisors, certified financial advisors to assist them in the process. 
And from my standpoint, dealing with you, Josh and Mike, and the folks at Corhorn, it just makes my job so much easier because we have all the financial information. Things get done when they're supposed to get done. They get done on time. They get done the right way. Mm. We can address all the considerations. It's a major benefit in doing the planning that I'm doing. So let's let's awesome. jump into uh, yeah. the issues. Yeah, the, the mutual uh, patting each other on the back. We can call that <laughs> over. This is going to be a good show already. Yeah, I can that's tell. Right, that's right. <laughs> hey, so before we get too deep into Medicaid planning, the issue of Medicare versus Medicaid often gets people confused. And and I just want to start with the, the difference between the two. Medicare is health insurance for those people 65 years old or older, or who've been on Social Security disability for 24 months, or people with end-stage renal disease. Uh, I don't know if you'd want to add anything to that, but that's Medicare. We're talking about Medicaid. Right. In most cases, Medicare does not pay for nursing home or long-term care. Um, it does so in very limited situation where you have a three-night hospital stay, and then you're discharged uh, to a uh, Medicaid, I'm sorry, a, a skilled care facility uh, for rehab. Um, but the maximum number of days that you get there is 100 days. The maximum. That's not automatic either. It's, that's not automatic. Yeah. Most folks don't get anywhere close to 100 days. Most yeah. folks will get the first 20 days, at which point in time you start paying on a co-insurance basis, yeah. and you've got to pay roughly the first $162 a day, or your Medicare supplement insurance does. But once Medicare stops, it's private pay for the for the facility. Mm-hmm. And that means that there has to be uh, another source of funds. Sometimes that source is long-term care insurance, but that's most in, in most cases that's not there. Mm-hmm. Sometimes that's um, out of pocket, but again, looking at the dollars involved, that just can't last for very long. Yeah. And since the average length of stay in a nursing home is uh, over the throughout the country is about 30 months, Having 100 days of coverage really just doesn't cut it. You've got to figure out how you're going to pay for that stay in the nursing home. Yeah, That's right. Med- Medicare is to help get you well, right? Get you Correct. recovered. Medicaid may need to help uh, c- kind of maintain care for you over time if you qualify. Right? If you qualify. Medicaid is a health insurance program. It's a combined federal state health insurance program uh, for um, folks that need monetary assistance. In other words, what we used to call, what the, you know, it's a welfare program. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to qualify, you have to be either aged, blind, or disabled. Um, actually, there's a whole bunch of different Medicaid classifications. We're going to focus on the aged, blind, and disabled folks as we're talking here. Yeah, You've got to be over 65 if you're qualifying for the aged. Uh, you can't have too much income and you can't have too much in assets. And so if you qualify then Medicaid is, is, is really pretty all-inclusive, whereas Medicare, you have your co-insurance pay, yeah. your deductibles, things of that nature. But once you get on Medicaid, it'll take care of everything, including the payment of long-term care. And that doesn't necessarily have to be a nursing home. That can be um, home care. They call it the Medicaid waiver services. So if you qualify, there's a lot of benefits that are available. It's just that uh, you have to qualify, and yeah. that means you can't have too much money. Uh, the whole issue of Medicaid planning, there it is. Absolutely. Well, you also mentioned something in there about how this is a federal and a state program. Right. And that that's often may, maybe something that people don't understand, that uh, it's kind of a partnership between the two. Maybe you can unpack that a little bit better, but uh, not every state is exactly the same because of that, right? That's correct. When, when the, the, the whole welfare program went into effect in the mid-60s, um, the federal government put it together, and then 
they had to get the states to buy in. And so they gave each state the ability to elect certain parts of the program within the all-encompassing federal law. But you have the federal law, you have federal regulations, you have federal um, 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 uh, books uh, on, on how to uh, deal with this. And then you go to the state law where you have state law, you have state regulations, you have state manuals, you have court decisions interpreting both. And so it's a, it, it can be a very, very complicated area to deal with uh, just because there's so many sources of, of, of the law. But Dan, you but, chose to operate yeah. in this area, right? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a good practice. Yeah. And, 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 People and, need a lot of help in this, Mike, and, and, and you an, are an expert with all your experience and so on. And so It's um, an area where you can make a real difference in people's lives. Absolutely true. This is, this yeah. is, this is head, to, head to the gas pipe type of planning. Mm-hmm. Uh, planning. People yeah. really are worried about this and are concerned about this. And if you can take that worry off their shoulders, you got half the battle run. One, I'm sorry. So let's let's speak for just a second on, you talk about it's federal and state kind of dual program, but those laws change all the time. Does that make planning difficult? You've got to be on top of the laws. So, yeah. And, and the, the, the problem is, is that if you're reading books or getting on the internet, and saying, well, I can do this or I can do that. First, you have to f- make sure that it's current. And secondly, you have to make sure it's state applicable. In other words, it has to be applicable for Indiana or if you live in Michigan and Michigan, wherever you live, that's where you want to make sure that these laws that you're reading about apply to. Mm-hmm. So there's a big issue. You just touched on it. That's going to be sort of a theme for this hour in the program that um, you may have a, a belief or an understanding of how something is supposed to work with Medicaid, but it may be out of date, number one. Number two, you might not understand it completely correctly. And so the big idea here is um, inviting a professional like Michael Murphy into um, when you've got a need or starting to feel the need, sitting down with a professional. And as he already said, including your certified financial planner, that's where you can make the best financial decisions at such a financially difficult and emotional time. Absolutely. So we've, we're going to be unpacking some of the strategies as well and some of the big pitfalls when it comes to Medicaid planning. So much, much more here to come here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thanks for being with us today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard. I'm in the studio with Josh Gregory and special guest, elder law attorney Michael Murphy, to help us all understand a little bit more about Medicaid planning, why that's so important, and hopefully ease some of the concerns that you may have as you think about loved ones and and even yourself maybe needing care at some point in the future and how you're going to pay for that. Special thanks to the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran, and Keene, as well as First State Bank for sponsoring the content of today's program. And once again, if you have a question, comment, any concerns, reach out to us. We want to hear from you. This is your show, 574-222-2000 or wisemoneyradio.com to submit a question or catch up on previous episodes right there as well. All right, so Michael Murphy's with us, elder law attorney right here in Michiana, serving the community and, and helping with um, all sorts of legal issues and planning issues, but specifically Medicaid planning we're talking about today. And um, so let's let's hit some of the foundation. Help us understand the various components of Medicaid planning. Who needs it? When do they need it? Why do they need it? What is it? Medicaid planning is basically the process of 
structuring a person's income and assets so that they meet the Medicaid eligibility requirements. When you're looking at who needs it, when they need it, it's, a, it's kind of a difficult decision to answer uh, because everybody's situation is a little bit different. But if I can be general, the first thing that you have to do is to make sure that you have your foundational documents in place. Mm. Okay, What's the, be- the, the, the most important foundational document? It's the power of attorney. Okay, you've got to have the ability to act for the person that you're planning for if that person cannot act for himself or herself. Uh, the, other, the other foundational thing is, as, as we've already talked about, you need to have, or I would strongly recommend that you have, a certified financial planner uh, to assist you through the planning that we're doing. So if you have any sense that long-term care planning is going to be needed, you ought to be talking to somebody, your certified financial planner, your elder law attorney, uh, to see what type of planning is available. Mm-hmm. Going through the process, you know, it, 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 again, it depends on the situation, whether it's a single person, whether it's a married couple. Um, you know, all of these things come into play when you're trying to shelter assets. And I, I want to emphasize that we use shelter. We don't use hide. I have a lot of clients that say, well, let, how do we hide our assets? And we're not hiding anything. Everything <laughs> that we do from a planning standpoint is 100% disclosed to Medicaid when we do the application. So this is nothing illegal. We're not burying stuff in the backyard. We're not, you know, giving stuff away <laughs> and not telling people about it. I, I make this akin to to tax planning. Yeah, that's exactly where my mind went to. The same terminology that we would use. How do you uh, utilize the the laws that exist there for your benefit so you don't pay more in taxes than are necessary, or in this case, have uh, assets uh, get spent down unnecessarily if there are rules that you could be utilizing. Right. And, 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 and I think that's especially important because the clients that I deal with are what you would call your, your good people and your good citizens. Mm-hmm. You know, these aren't people that are trying to scam the system. These are people that have, they've, they've grown up, they've worked their whole lives, they've saved, they're not spendthrifts. Um, they've, they've, uh, raised children, they've paid for weddings, they've paid for education. They've done everything. They've paid their taxes. They've done everything that this government is requiring them to do and now they're in a situation not of their choosing, a health situation not of their choosing, where it's a catastrophe for them. Mm-hmm. You know, all of the stuff that they've done right their whole lives, you know, is, 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 is at risk. And so that's why using this type of planning is a very good thing to do, and it can really help families to, you know, protect what they've spent a lifetime accumulating. That's a good response to the question I know I'm going to get from some of you. Some of you are thinking about it right now because uh, we've we've filled this question many times with folks and that is, isn't this unethical or isn't this somewhat um, controversial? And Mike, you've already mentioned, I mean, everything that you do, it's all legal. It's like, in a way, it can be like tax planning where you're aware of, you know what, if I, if I contribute money to this type of account, I can pay less taxes today. That's those are legal strategies, and you might think, well, as a citizen, you know, I know our our government is broke, um, and uh, and we our our country could use all the tax dollars, so I should pay. Uh, I shouldn't do this tax deferral strategy. No, no, you should you should do that. And so, um, but for some people, they struggle with the ethical side of it. And I think to your point, it's just it's just planning through the laws that are out there. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Mm. Um, so that kind of uh, falls into this next question. But what are some of the common misconceptions that people have when it comes to 
Medicaid planning? Let me let me answer that this way. I've put together a list. I call it the the five fears of a stressed out elder family, mm-hmm. <laughs> and these are the these are the common things that people are concerned about that can be planned for. Um, I can't afford to pay for nursing home care for my loved one, but can't care for himself or herself my, myself. How do I get and pay for that care? Am I going to lose the house or the family farm? If I have to pay for nursing home care for my spouse, will, be, will there be anything left for me? How can I keep the government from getting all my money? And how can I make sure my family gets an inheritance? Okay. Yeah, those the, are real issues for yep. sure. And, yep. and that brings it a lot closer to home for many people that, that maybe don't even realize that Medicaid planning or being proactive in this area actually is important. It, it may be 10 years down the road for them. But all those issues that you just hit, they're very real. People see them all day, every day. And um, it, it, it's awesome that you actually are addressing it head on here. It, it, it's, these are the important things that people are concerned about. And every one of them can be planned for. And there's an answer for each one of these things, assuming you do it in the right way. Yeah. So, I mean, the misconception there, those are very real examples and examples that I'm dealing with in my own life, folks. You know that as as regular listeners to the show. Um, Those are very real. And the misconception is someone in that situation says I'm stuck or that I shouldn't go see a professional because they're not going to be able to help or it's going to cost way too much, something like that. That's the big misconception, folks. That's the big danger is you feel stuck in that situation and overcome with anxiety and worry and, and could possibly lead to some really poor decisions. Okay, so, so what do you do with that? I mean, when is the right time to actually get engaged with this type of planning? Uh, you know, when, when is too early? When's the right time? Is there ever a it's too late scenario? It's, there's, never, it's, there's never an it's too late scenario. Okay. We've done planning for people that have been in nursing homes for two years, three years. If there are assets available, we can we can shelter. Wow. Okay. Um, the again, the foundation documents are the things that are important. You got to get that power of attorney in place, which means ordinarily you're going to have a will. You know your basic estate planning documents, but they should those documents should include a power of attorney. Once you look at that, then you're looking at. Okay, when does it look like nursing home care is going to be needed? And the problem that a lot of people have, especially children that are working with their parents in that situation, is saying, hey, I don't want to you know, run through this with my kids, or I don't want them to have to deal with it, so maybe I should give away assets right now. And I say to them, are you really comfortable with giving away all of your stuff to your kids so that just in case you need nursing home care down the road, mm-hmm. um, that uh, you'll be able to get it? I said, that's an awful big risk. And there are all kinds of ramifications when you start giving away assets. Yeah. Loss of control being a huge one that is kind of a red flag in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Loss of control is one, you, you ordinarily, we don't re- worry about the kids having the asset because most of the kids will do what they're supposed to do. Right. But we have to worry about what happens through the children, the death, divorce, mm-hmm. a creditor, health and health problems on their own. Mm-hmm. All of these can impact your assets if you no longer own them and they're in the kids' names. Good point. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, again, if it looks like a nursing home or a long-term care or assisted living situation would arise, that's when you really need to sit down with somebody and try to catch it at the outset as opposed to, you know, gee, he just went into a nursing home, now what do we do? It's mm-hmm. never too late, 
but there may be some strategies that we can use to protect more of the assets if we catch it at the beginning rather than coming in at the middle. And do you help folks with the Medicaid application? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's not only just the planning piece, folks, where you have a concern and and some of those, maybe you fall on that list, that that list of five concerns that Mike brought up. Um, That's the time when you need to engage your professionals, certified financial planners, elder law attorney, having them work together to to creatively come up with a plan for you. Um, But then when it actually comes time to, okay, it's time to apply for, for Medicaid. Uh, that's not always a smooth path, folks. Mm-hmm. And having a professional who has done it before to do it for you and walk you through that process is extremely important. So if we can urge you to do anything today, if this show is hitting home, it would be to contact your certified financial planner and loop Michael Murphy or an elder law attorney involved to get them working together. So we've got a lot more scenarios to hit. The good, the bad, and the ugly, folks. A lot more to come here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Good morning, folks. Thanks for being with us this morning. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. I'm Mike. I've got Josh Gregory in the studio with me. Kevin's out, and in his place, we are joined by elder law attorney, special guest, Michael Murphy, who's helping us all understand everything we wanted to know and more (laughs) about Medicaid planning. That's a big task, but he's up to it. Uh, big thanks to Bethel College Adult and Graduate Studies, as well as Diane Bennett with Remax 100 for partnering with us to make the Wise Money Show possible. Thank you very much. If you have a question or comment, reach out to us again, 574-222-2000 or wisemoneyradio.com online. So, all right. So we're still right in the midst of this big, hairy, scary topic called Medicaid planning. We've defined it. So what is it? Um, and in a moment, we're going to talk about some of the strategies and more so really some of the pitfalls, the dangers of doing this yourself, getting it wrong. Um, one of the big concerns, Mike, you've already brought up, is if if I'm still married and my spouse needs care, will I lose all my money, or will or or, or am I going to be destitute as a healthy spouse? Um, what do you do in that situation? I know that elder law um, and and um, long term care, a lot of people are widowed or they're divorced and so on. But for the folks who are married and they've got a someone who needs care, how do you handle the healthy spouse? That's a that's a great question. And fortunately, while it's not easy to do the planning, it's a wonderful situation where you can when I can normally protect ninety plus percent of all of the assets by doing the proper type of planning. Mm-hmm. Most of these folks, I say all the time to folks, there's a whole lot of really well-intentioned bad advice out there. <laughs> and most of these folks have sat around a coffee table or a bridge table and they've heard stories about, oh, you're going to lose the house and you're not going to have any income left and you know, all of these types of things. And it just scares the bejabbers out of them. And then, again, you toss in the emotional situation where you've got a, a, a dear loved one that you can no longer care for at home. And it just, I, people walk in and you can just see the weight of the world on their shoulders. Yeah. Um, and so being able to tell them, and, and, and again, this gets back to when you ought to talk to an elder law attorney about this, being able to tell them, look, you don't have to worry about losing the house. The house is an exempt asset. 
you, we're going to be able to shelter just about all of your financial assets. You know, just by telling them that, hey, you don't need to know all the details. That's my job. I'll get you through the details. <laughs> just know that, you know, if the time comes, we're going to be able to, you know, protect all of these assets and your husband, your wife is going to be able to get the care that he or she needs. And what we need to make sure you don't hear is, oh, this isn't really a big deal. There's not really any threat here. The, the, the system's right. going to protect you, right? No, planning is what's going to protect you. That's correct. Mm-hmm. That's correct. And when we get into some of the, the, the specific situations, you're going to see how much uh, or how many concerns there are. There are layers of concerns when you're doing different things, and we'll talk about those things a little bit later. Well, yeah. that, that let's let's segue into some of the the specific strategies. And I don't know if we can talk specifics, but so, but some of the overarching general strategies and really some some of the pitfalls. And I'm just going to throw one out there just to kind of kick us off. And and that's this idea of just well, I don't need to do planning for. I don't need to buy long term care insurance because it's this will never happen to me. And then if it does, I'm just going to give all my money away real quick. Um, one of the hmm. challenges, and, and there's just that is just ripe with with pitfalls. One of the challenges, though, I'll just just touch on is if you have dollars in an IRA or four hundred one k or or in pre tax accounts, folks, if you just want to get all of that out of your name and give it again, that's not really a great strategy for Medicaid. It really won't help. Um, but you're going to be paying Uncle Sam a boatload of money in taxes. And so the the notion that well it's never going to happen to me and if it does I'll just you know pull the uh, escape hatch here and just give all my money away and I'll be fine is rife with um, pitfalls. That's right. You you may think that you're doing something proactive and inadvertently be uh, really hurting yourself from a tax planning standpoint or or even just uh, retirement planning in general, right? Because if you have two spouses, one gets really sick and needs some sort of skilled care. And uh, that becomes a major expense for the family's resources. It becomes a threat to that other spouse's retirement, mm-hmm. right? This is one of the the catastrophic expenses that can mess up the whole game plan altogether. And sometimes people can lose sight of the fact that, well, we, we still have a retirement to be planning for here. Um, you, you know, too many knee-jerk reactions could create some mistakes down the road that actually put... Uh, that other spouse in in jeopardy themselves. Right. So, one right. of the one of the nice things uh, when we run into it are folks that do have long term care insurance. I mean that that is ultimately in my well in my opinion the number one strategy is to get really proactive here, folks, and get really good long term care insurance. Specifically, if you live in Indiana, partnership policy. The partnership policy, which is a policy, it's a it's a kind of a combination between the Medicaid system and the insurance the state insurance uh, department, and it is a wonderful thing because if the benefits are all paid out, not the premiums, but the benefits are all paid under the policy, you can protect as many assets as you have. You could have a million bucks and be able to qualify for Medicaid if you have one of these partnership plans that have paid out all of the benefits. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why you really ought to talk uh, to a certified financial planner like Mike or like Josh because a good one will be able to direct you to the type of long-term care policy that you may be able to get. It may not be a partnership plan, but any long-term care policy is better than no long-term care policy. The, the key, though, is that's a strategy that has to be put in place 
sometimes years, maybe even decades before you get to this situation where Absolutely. you're talking nursing home or you're talking home health care, assisted living, any of those topics. Uh, you, you know, hopefully long-term care insurance is something that you ruled in or ruled out way back, maybe even before you got to retirement. Mm-hmm. You have to be proactive is the point. That's right. I have clients ask all the time, well, dad um, has Alzheimer's. Uh, we're going to look into long-term care insurance. Yeah. Uh-uh, not going to work. Um, because no insurance company is going to insure them. Yeah, that's right. Um, so yeah, that's abs- that's a that's a great point. And I I think another point that ought to be raised here. We're do- doing an awful lot of talking about nursing homes, but this Medicaid planning will apply to home care also under certain situations. They call it the Medicaid Waiver Services Home and Community Based Waiver Services Program, and you can get a certain amount of care at home that Medicaid would pay for. Again, if you otherwise would qualify. So it's not necessarily something that has to be directed towards nursing home care. And in many family situations, it's a great intermediate step to have the care at home before that level of care raises to such an extent that nursing home care is needed. Are there benefits through the VA in any circumstances? The answer is there could be. You have to be a wartime vet. Mm -hmm. You don't have to see combat. You don't even have to be overseas, but you have to be a wartime vet. Um, or the surviving spouse of a wartime vet. Um, and you can't have too much in income. You can't have too much in assets. They don't have the same mm-hmm. uh, restrictions on gifting that Medicaid does, um, at least not yet. They've talked about it. Um, but the problem with that is it can be a, a lengthy process to get. And then the maximum benefit, round figures, is about $2,200 per month. And even if you have a significant amount of other income, adding 2000 bucks a month of income to what you've got is still not going to be enough to yeah. pay a nursing home cost. Maybe a drop mm-hmm. in the bucket, right? But it is something that if somebody needs care at home, it can be a source of money that can be used to pay for that care before you get to Medicaid qualification, before you get to a nursing home situation. So it is something that we always look at. So we, we've, we've got a question from Joan coming up here in, in just a moment about gifting. But just in general, Mike, is gifting without guidance of a professional involved, is gifting really a strategy? I mean, just, just thinking... W- without that, guidance? Yeah. No. It is <laughs> not, foolish, it right? is not a strategy. It, yeah. And, and many, many people think that just because they can make gifts from a gift tax standpoint that t- most people think it's $10,000 a year. It's actually $14,000 a year. But they think that because they can do that, they can they can give away all of their assets without any sort of Medicaid issues. And that's not the case. Medicaid does not like people giving away stuff to become poor enough to qualify for Medicaid. So what you have to do is do it in the correct way. Gifting can be a strategy, has to be done in the correct way. Yeah, yeah. And, and um, the biggest question that I see in regards to gifting is what to do with the house. That's precisely Joan's question coming up. Plus, we've got a question from Liz here. Uh, let's just say she's sparked up a little controversy with our own Josh Gregory. And it, Ooh, pertains, <laughs> it pertains to uh, this issue we're talking about today, Medicaid planning, with special guest elder law attorney Michael Murphy. So much more to come here on Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. 
Wise Money is brought to you by the attorneys at Ledoux, Curran & Keene, First State Bank, Diane Bennett and the Inspired Team at REMAX 100, and Bethel College's Adult and Graduate Studies Program. Good morning, folks. Thanks for listening today. This is Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. My name is Mike Bernard alongside Josh Gregory, and we've got special guest, elder law attorney Michael Murphy here, sharing his wisdom and insight on how to do Medicaid planning and do it effectively. Uh, many, many ways to get that wrong. We're going to be talking about a few more um, big mistakes that uh, that you can make in that process. So that coming up. If you have a question, reach out to us, wisemoneyradio.com, or give us a call, 574-222-2000. So everyone... It's interesting. When I first started in this business 15 years ago, and I would talk to folks about the risk of going into a nursing home, uh, 50% of folks have had some sort of personal experience. Now, maybe it's just because I'm getting older. Hey, you're getting older too, by the way, Josh. Yeah, thank um, you. I'm feeling very middle-aged today. <laughs> so it seems like everyone has some sort of personal experience now. Everyone's got a personal story. And we've got a great question from Joan here about her story. But Josh, I want to give you just a moment to share a little bit of your story and have uh, Michael weigh in on a little bit of the issues there. Yeah, you know, this is actually, uh, I get to inject my own listener question because this is uh, some family members. Don't live in Indiana, but we can kind of pretend that they do for, for now. Um, situation is husband and wife both go into a nursing home at the same time. Their Their health is failing together, basically. Husband passes away fairly quickly, and the wife, surviving spouse, is going to probably be in that nursing home forever. She's actually starting to thrive there even, um, but won't be going back home to the family farm. And the farm, you know, it's, it's yeah, a sentimental place for the entire expanded family and everything. But uh, the, the question is, um, you, you know, what do they do in a situation like this? You know, some people's knee-jerk reaction would be, well, just sell the farm and start paying for the care. Other people would say, oh, no, no, hold on to it because it's a protected asset possibly because it's producing income. Talk through, you know, the, the, the nuances, the complexities, I guess, that even a relatively simple situation like this, uh, if people start taking action without guidance? What are the potential pitfalls that they could be running into? Okay. Um, one of the things you mentioned, Josh, was it, uh, possibly an exempt asset. And if you have income-producing real estate, that is an exempt asset. You don't have to sell it. Uh, the income would be used to pay towards your nursing home care, and then Medicaid would pick up the difference. Uh, the problem there is that Medicaid would have a claim for reimbursement, but fortunately, that claim for reimbursement is much, much less than the private pay rate. So you have an advantage to keeping the family farm intact and just using the income to pay towards the nursing home cost. And that I want to interject here, that claim for reimbursement, that's relatively recent, right? I mean, in the past 10 years or less that uh, states are maybe actually starting to go back against the estates of of folks and you're right basically hey we've been paying the bill we want to get some some money back here the yeah. law has been in effect for longer than 10 years but over the last 10 years the states have, have kicked up uh, their efforts to collect uh-huh okay so you know in many cases the family farm can be a significant significant asset and in many cases that family farm has been in the family for generations which means from a tax basis standpoint it has a very low tax basis and what does that translate into? If the farm is sold, there could be a huge capital gain 
and huge capital gains taxes. And so you don't necessarily want to sell the farm and have to pay those capital gains taxes, especially if your calculation of what the claim for reimbursement might be is much, much less than that. This, the, folks, the point here, this is complicated. I can sort of keep up with that. <laughs> I was going to say, that. all the financial advisors but, are just eating this up right now. But, but. but here's the point, folks. If, you're, if, if you've got an issue, reach out to the right professionals to collaborate and work together to find the right strategy for you. Don't feel like it's hopeless. Contact your certified financial planner. Contact Michael Murphy, elder law attorney, and, and get some answers. Get some help with this. Um, because Michael can go to a depth that most people can't, their, their thinking can't even get there because he's experienced and he's got the expertise in this. I can confuse so. just about anybody. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So speaking of uh, confusion here, one, one Medicaid planning strategy was actually brought up by a wonderful fan of the show, Liz. Uh, she was listening to our estate planning show. Oh, it's been a few weeks now. So Liz, forgive me that it's taken us so long to get here. Um, but she actually listened to our show on estate planning and kind of got a little upset at our own Joshua Gregory. And we're not going to be able to listen to her audio uh, question comment that she listed. But essentially, here's, here was her question comment. I listened to your show this morning about estate planning, and I wondered why you do not recommend funeral planning as part of someone's financial plan. You guys, in fact, she says, uh, financial planners in general, you plan for a lot of unknown items but you ignore the need for funeral planning, and everyone's going to need a funeral someday. Um, plus, it's protected from Medicaid, which is what we're going to invite Michael into. So I just thought, Josh, I'd give you an opportunity <laughs> to, to reply to this very well-intended uh, listener who said, what's going on? I'm just honored that you no longer have a monopoly on all the listener grievances, actually. Oh, yes, I think that's the first one that hasn't come to me. That's right. Thank you, Liz. <laughs> and she's right. Yeah. She's right. We we don't talk about it a whole lot, and um, I would argue that we shouldn't talk about it a whole lot because I personally don't think that it applies to everybody who's doing estate planning. This topic uh, is coming out of a general estate planning show. Mm -hmm. Today's show is about Medicaid planning, and this is a place where I do think it fits. And Michael, you may be able to talk to some of the technicalities of all that, but you know, most people who are getting their estate plan designed and built for the first time, or maybe they're updating it, they're not necessarily at risk of passing away anytime soon. I'll take myself as an example. Yeah, I could get hit by a bus tomorrow, but should I tie up dollars right now for prepaying or pre-planning my own funeral when, Lord willing, I'm not going to pass away for another 40 or 50 years? Right, mm -hmm. that that money is better put to use for goals that are much more important, real time, right now. Yep. You know, saving for kids' education, retirement, paying down debt, that sort of thing. And the the paying for my funeral, you know, my my, my wife, yeah, I'd be leaving a lot of that responsibility to her, but um, she'll have life insurance to do it with. But it is a strategy for helping with Medicaid planning. Is that right, Mike? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Uh, yep. A prepaid funeral of whatever value is an exempt resource for Medicaid planning purposes. Mm -hmm. Now, don't put a whole bunch of money into it thinking you're going to get a refund if you don't use it all. You know, it's all supposed to go to the state if it's not all used up and you're on Medicaid. But you can purchase a prepaid funeral for yourself. You can purchase one for your spouse. Surprisingly, you can purchase them for children and spouses of children. Yeah, wow. I, had a, I had a situation where 
there were eight spouses or children and spouses of children, we were able to protect close to $100,000 of assets from a Medicaid spend down standpoint just because they were all exempt. I'm not sure everybody appreciated having a bow put around a, a prepaid funeral. <laughs> yeah, Merry but, Christmas, right? Yeah, <laughs> but it, 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 it's a good spend-down strategy in the appropriate situation. So the moral of the story, Liz, uh, we appreciate you, and you're right. And we should actually, I would love to engage you and, and, and talk about more of the um, pre-planning versus pre-paying, all of that. But we need to hit Joan's question, and uh, it's, we're up against the clock here, but here's Joan's question. My husband... Ha- uh, was diagnosed with dementia two years ago, and we're reaching the point where I need some assistance with him. We don't have much money. We own our house, and we had an, have investments worth about 175000 We live off Social Security and pension. I've been thinking about putting my house in my son's name and putting his name on the investments as well. Is this a good idea? Very quickly. My, my response is no. It's not a part of a good plan. The house is an exempt resource from a Medicaid stand, planning standpoint, if you're living there. Mm-hmm. So you don't have to do anything at all other than keep it the way it is or just move it into your name. Mm-hmm. Secondly, if you put the house into your son's name, you're doing a gift and Medicaid doesn't like gifting. So that's going to cause a lengthy period of time where you're going to have to private pay. You're going to have capital gains tax ramifications when the son sells the home and you're going to lose your homestead exemption. You're going to pay more in property taxes. Yep. So it's just a bad, bad result. Same thing with the investments, no gifting. You know, yep. Medicaid doesn't like it. I can protect just about everything without doing that type of gifting. That's where most people's creativity stops. When it comes to Medicaid planning, I, in order to qualify for Medicaid, I can't have a lot of money, so I'm just going to give. They, people, and they, they want to take that control because they're out of control with the health situation, and they want to take that control. And, folks, the message here, and Joan, to you, is oftentimes that it is a critical error. The point here is to reach out to Michael Murphy, reach out to an elder law attorney, sit down and talk about your situation, and we can navigate a good strategy for you. Absolutely. So combine your certified financial planner and elder law attorney. Michael, thank you for being on the show. This will not be our last time. Well, Great stuff. I've enjoyed it, and I look forward to uh, working with you more. All right. So on behalf of special guest Michael Murphy, Josh Gregory, myself, have a great weekend, folks. We'll see you next week for Wise Money with Corhorn Financial Group. Securities offered through Silver Oak Securities, member FINRA slash SIPC. Advisory services offered through KFG Wealth Management, LLC. Doing business as Corhorn Financial Group. KFG Wealth Management, LLC and Silver Oak Securities Incorporated companies are unaffiliated.